Welcome back and welcome to episode 38 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. And well, let's just get to it again like we usually do. Just in case anyone thought there was not enough injuries in Montreal, you can now add Christian Dvorak to that long list of season-ending injuries. As well as, just in case that doesn't do it for you, Caden Gooley and Josh Anderson also get to go back on the list, especially in Caden Gooley's case, for the season-ending injuries injuries as they were both recently injured with ankle injuries or what they're now classifying as high ankle injuries. So there is just absolutely no sign of injuries slowing down. This is just insane or nuts. Pick your preference on how you want to describe it. It is just incredible. On a positive note, though, Brendan Gallagher and Kirby Dock have returned to the lineup. Brendan Gallagher seems extremely excited and chomping into the bit to contribute whatever he can do and the difference he can make for the remainder of this season, and I wish him nothing but success and hope the end of the year just makes his season worthwhile. Statistically, being around the team, whatever the reasons, and in the case of Kirby Dock, he did not look out of place for a minute. He did not look like he had missed any games. He didn't show any signs of rust that needed to be shaked off which was fantastic to see he just continues to evolve and it's not only been great to see him evolve for his career and have a career best as far as statistics but just all the people that doubted that acquisition at the 2022 draft have just looked incredibly bad i mean he has been everything kent hughes obviously knew about that he was and is an integral part of the team without question But back to the injuries, I really hope that every single player that's been injured in Montreal not only returns with no lingering effects, but their games are unaffected negatively in any way. There is so much talent, so many young kids, and so many people being a part of an organization that is coming together and solidifying that it would just be horrible to see any of those careers derailed or sidelined in any permanent way. Now, as this season has had so many highlights and great parts to it, such as five rookie defensemen making the defense, the defense looking really solid and not full of rookies, which it is, and players on the offense like Kirby Doc having the seasons that they've had. You just saw the number one pick overall in Yurai Slavkowski coming into his own, of course, just before he was injured. So let's hope that continues on next year at an elevated pace for him. You've seen Cole Cost field show just the very edge of what he's capable of. I truly believe that Cole Caulfield has the ability to become what Montreal has not had since Stefan Riche and maybe even back to Guy Lafleur. And what I mean by that is not the players themselves, but the fact that Montreal has not had a 50 goal scorer since 1984 or right around that period of time and hasn't had a 60 goal scorer since Steve Shutt or Guy Lafleur. And I think Cole Caulfield has the ability as a shooter to beat out all those numbers. I think he could do better than 60 at some point in the league and do it consistently. I think he is honestly, it's not argumentative. There really is no argument that's valid to say that Connor McDavid isn't the best player in the league right now. And the best all-around player, the best skater, shooter, passer, McDavid is just incredible. Leon Dreisaitl, not far from Connor McDavid. That being said, the best pure shooter in the game, I already give to Cole Caulfield, hands down. I think he's the league's preeminent sniper, and I think he will go on to prove that, provided he doesn't have any more injuries. I hope this year's injury is the one and 
only injury that takes him out more than like one or two games for the rest of his career at a time. I mean, that is just a special talent that dropped into Montreal's lap in that draft in 2019 that they just have to be like running all the way to the bank going, we hit the jackpot. Back to an issue that's really interesting to listen about in Montreal is there is a need apparently, or people are saying how Montreal immediately must fill very soon their need in goal. Well, first of all, Sam Montebau has been really, really good this year. He's done far more than anybody thought he was going to do. So there's arguments that he can at least hold the fort while Montreal finds that goaltender, or he may even become that. Now, that I don't know if he's capable of. Only time will tell, obviously. It is very clear, though, that Jake Allen is very much on the downside of his career and would be best served for him at this point to go to an organization in the offseason that has a real legitimate shot at a Stanley Cup, needs a really good backup, needs a guy that looks awesome when called upon, and things like that. And Jake Allen is certainly all of that. But I think his days in Montreal, if that goaltending tandem comes back next year as is, I think you can definitely see Montembeau being the 45-52 to 52 game goalie and Jake Allen becoming the 30-some or less game goalie next year. It's just one of those transitions that's clearly taken place. That being said, if you're looking for promising prospects before Montreal even has to obtain anybody or draft anybody, how do you not look at prospect Jacob Dobbs right now, who is six foot five, 200 pounds plus, drafted in the fifth round at the 136th position overall in the 2020 draft, and has put together two consecutive seasons now at Ohio State of the Big Ten that are, to say impressive, would be an understatement. Take a look at his statistics. He has high 900 plus percent uh, save percentages. He has just over two goals against game averages and things like that. That is impressive. Another prospect in the Montreal organization who's put together a very nice season is Emmett Crotour. And he is 6'3", 200 pounds plus. Again, very respectable season in his third year at the Waterloo Blackhawks of the uh, U.S. Hockey League. A sixth round pick, 162nd overall in 2022. So he's going to be a while. He's definitely going to be further away than Jacob Dobbs is. But these two prospects have shown incredible growth. Great skill sets, posted beyond respectable numbers. They have made themselves or put themselves in a position to become legitimate prospects. They really have. And it seems like a lot of people are just overlooking them and going, yeah, those guys don't count. For us to have a goaltender, it has to be in the first or second round. Not really. Anybody remember Henrik Lundqvist of the Rangers? Seventh round pick. I think he was pretty good. Not only during the regular season, but one could say the same thing about him that they could say about the beloved Patrick Waugh and many other goaltenders. He is a money goaltender. He was a seventh round draft pick for the New York Rangers. Dobbs is a fifth. Crotour is a sixth. So late round picks, it doesn't have to be, oh, well, if he's not drafted in the top 10, he's just not going to be a franchise goalie. I think the league has proven that over its history to be an incredibly false scenario. There's something I'm going to propose here that I think has been widely overlooked by most people. Has anybody also ever seen a correlation between goaltending in hockey and quarterback in football? And before anybody goes, what are you, nuts? Both of those positions require 
everybody else on the team to do their job effectively and efficiently or goals get scored touchdowns and field goals get scored opposition score points that they shouldn't have been in the position to score on you and there's great similarities between those two positions if a team has a bad defense if a team has a non-existent offense if a team constantly plays out of position and doesn't play to their assignments you lose more games than you win And nobody looks worse in that scenario than either goaltenders or quarterbacks because they are the point-producing or preventing positions on the team. So everybody's like, oh my God, that goaltender, he is just horrible. That quarterback, oh my God, he should just retire and get traded. Well, when you're left hung out to dry and you have no supporting cast, that's a problem. Also, putting either one of those players in those positions on teams that cannot protect them is another issue as well. That's why it is so fantastic. The range of skills that Arbor Jackeye brings to the Canadians is not only can he skate and very effectively and better than a lot of players, not only can he score, not only can he pass, he can keep people away from smaller players like Cole Caulfield and others that we'll get into. He can keep people away from your goaltender and keep the crease cleared just as in the NFL or the Canadian Football League if you have a good offensive line that can keep you vertically standing up straight and upright for a while your chances of having a better game are drastically improved as well as not having injuries potentially ending your season career all kinds of other things that nobody wants to think about so there's a lot of similarity in those two positions So in hockey, having a 20-man roster, and in football, having a 53-man roster, everybody's got a clear assignment and purpose, and everybody interacts, or hence the term, team sport. Anyways, with those prospects behind us for the moment in conversation, where else could Montreal obtain or fill their talent pool with additional prospects regarding the key position of goaltenders? Well, right up front, let's look at undrafted college free agents, which there is a plethora of not just guys that can fill the position hold the fort down these are people that legitimately could be the next group of goaltenders in the national hockey league that make a real name for themselves and kind of almost rewrite the position goaltending just like offense and defense has been rewritten over the last several decades goaltending is about to go through that same transition so you have options here like ludwig pearson out of the university of miami of ohio you have ian shane who played at cornell anybody have an instant flashback to ken dryden who also played played at Cornell. I'm not saying this guy's going to be Ken Dryden. I'm just saying it's a Cornell connection. Guys that have come out of Cornell have been pretty good. I think everybody's pretty happy with the results that Ken Dryden got as a career. Luke Pavovich out of the University of Massachusetts and Amherst is another one that's coming out of college. And not to be forgotten is Yaniv or Yaniv, depending on how you want to pronounce it, Peretz out of the University of Quinnipiac, who has put up, you want to talk about impressive numbers. Here's his numbers in 2022. 0.929 save percentage with a 1.52 goals against, followed up with this year, oh, and by the way, before I get to this year, was also ECAC Goaltender of the Year in 2022. And in 2023, has followed that up with a 939 goals save percentage and a 1.17 goals against average. And is also up for the Hobie Baker Award this year. 
up against other people like Sean Farrell and other players that have had phenomenal seasons. So this guy's the real deal. I mean, if you want to throw out everybody but him, he alone is worth looking at to add to these two prospects. However, if that's not exciting enough and there's anybody who just can't get on board with, oh, well, you know, they're a, they're a free agent. I mean, everybody's passed over him. Well, let's not forget about Eddie Belfour and others that came that same exact route as free agents out of college. But the next stop on this trail would be the 2023 draft, which Montreal has already amassed lots of picks and have at their disposal and ready, and can obtain even more picks by trading the litany of go-to players that has been relentlessly discussed prior to the season starting and throughout the entire season to address this specific team need if they so deem necessary. So there's a lot of options. And quite honestly, after all of that, there's the players that have been overlooked, second-guessed, slipped through the cracks. Even after all of that, there's discovering the undrafted prospects that have somehow been overlooked, even with all the incredible scouting talent in the NHL at every level and every team. I can't wait to see what Montreal does. They have a lot of options at their disposals to fill that position. So there's not the need for the chaos that apparently everybody's like, oh my God, the world's ending. We don't have our next goaltender at the exact same time as everybody else you don't want it It, literally your goaltender in this scenario is your last piece to the puzzle there is no oh my god we have to figure this out and have it right now scenario why because the sooner the rebuild is completed or near completed the better it is to put a goaltender or install a goaltender at that point in time why you don't want to rush him you don't want to leave him hung out to dry you don't want him just crushed by the opposition You want him a little bit further ahead than just finding his way. There's a lot of dangers that await him, such as players just mowing him over, crashing him into the boards. Again, it's a different speed. It's a different game at that level. So why destroy the player's confidence by saying, oh my God, you've got to start now. You just got to go through the growing pains and grow with the team. The other issue is, and here is certainly a very current issue that nobody ever wants to see a repeat of, and that is the injuries that have basically rendered Carey Price's career over and that are not even allowing him yet to be able to walk up and down stairs in his own home, let alone play another game of ice hockey, okay? That is certainly a scenario that nobody wanted to see happen to Carey. Nobody wants to see ever happen again to anybody else. So let's not recreate that scenario by putting a player in a position for that to have happen to them because they see so much rubber, so much traffic, so much physical impact that by the time, once again the team's ready or as the team's getting ready they suddenly are gone with injuries that have changed the way that they can play the game which means in goal especially your career is over with if you lose some of your greatest attributes or skills there's only so much it's not like a lot of other positions where you can make up for those deficiencies you've got to have lateral movement you've got to have the glove hand you've got to have the stick skills and there's just no ifs ands or buts about that Moving on to another topic of fascination is the belief or philosophy of you can't have too many small players. Now, if we were talking about players that you're talking about just filling roster spots with because you need to, they're a good friend of yours, you want to give them an opportunity, I get it. You can't do that. That's not right. However, right now, as well as in the very new future, that discussion is about players like Cole Caulfield already there. 
Sean Farrell, who's coming. Lane Hudson, who's coming. Raphael Harvey-Pinard, who's already there. Very different types of talent. And unfortunately, the type of talent that used to regularly populate Montreal's rosters in their great years, and they have not seen for far, far too long of a time. These players are not just players that, oh, well, you know, they're diminutive, they're small, they're French, they're, you know, they had great college. That That's not why you're giving these players that opportunity. These players are the type of talent that is rare to find. These players have the potential of rewriting some of Montreal's statistical past. They're that good. Though some people would argue that Raphael Harvey-Pinard is not in the same classification as a Cole Caulfield, Sean Farrell, or Lane Hudson, he does possess many of the same attributes, and that is the unteachable, intangible, or skills, the desire, the every shift, every night, relentless play, and heart of a lion like the Brendan Gallagher's, Guy Carbonos, and Bob Ganey's had on a nightly basis in every year of their career. Those skills and untangibles, you can't teach. A player either has those internally or doesn't. And the value of those, when you have those abilities and those desires, you can do things you're not supposed to be able to do. You can play with people that have skills that people say, well, you don't. How can you play with these guys? How do you even fit in with those? Because you have those abilities. And those are things that can't be taught. Those are innate internal skills that not everybody has. And a player who has those skills and ability, nobody has any idea as to the true capability and depth of that player's ability. It is an unknown, untapped, and leaves everybody with a deer-in-the-headlight look of amazement when those players go on to do what they do in the games. And these four clearly thrive on proving anybody and everybody wrong who has passed judgment on them and has no business in passing judgment on them and loves to be able to show on a national stage what they can do and how wrong people were. Just some food for thought here. A couple of fantastic and beloved players of Montreal's past. Names that might ring a bell. Yvonne Cornwaye, 5'7", 165 pounds. Doug Jarvis, 5'9", 165 pounds. Jacques Lemaire, 5'10", 175 pounds. Ray Janoul was also 165 pounds. All considered to be small players. Shouldn't have succeeded. I think everybody can agree their careers went rather well and are fantastic players of this great organization's past. Why the quick write-off of these guys? Why the quick write-off of like, well, you know, you just can't have too many small guys. Back to football for a second, and this time college football. There was somebody that once said, you can't have anything but big physical players in football. There was a coach at the University of Miami Hurricanes by the name of Jimmy Johnson, who also had a philosophy. If you can't catch it, you can't hit it. And that's why he was so successful at both the college and pro levels. That's what these kind of players are. If you can't catch them, if you can't get in their way and they're already by you, you lose. And like the head of Canadians development today has already said, Sean Farrell is going to be a special player. We all know Cole Caulfield is already a special player. We're watching Lane Hudson unfold at Boston and he is a very special player. Just like Caulfield, just like Sean Farrell. And Raphael Harvey-Pinard last night gets a hat trick. Raphael Harvey-Pinard has already produced more, already asserted himself in as part of the team in a way that nobody expected, and is taking the opportunity and running with it and never looking back. I don't know what else somebody could do, how else they could better fit in an organization, or how people could not be excited about that kind of player. That is just amazing to me. Back to Sean Farrell for a second. It seemed like the moment his season concluded, which unfortunately was in an 8-1 to one blow 
blowout by Ohio State. Hey, remember that goaltender we talked about earlier? The Montreal prospect? Check that out. He was the goaltender in goal for that game. So again, more reasons to get excited for him, but let's not stray from Sean Farrell here for a second. The moment his season came to a conclusion, everybody was ready to at and willing to get the fire started with, oh my God, Montreal's got to sign him immediately. If not, he's going to take the summer. He's going to file for free agency in August when August arrives and Montreal's going to lose him. Or he doesn't want to play in Montreal. Or, you know, some other ridiculous reason. Well, thank God, once again, Kent Hughes has come through for everybody and again continues to display why he has just got to be the GM of the year already. But he has signed Sean Farrell to a three-year entry-level contract less than 48 hours after his season concluded. So fortunately, all that panic, all that chaos that apparently there was a desire to start will be for not and can be kind of shelved or thrown in the trash can. Thank God for Kent Hughes. The guy has been a phenomenal general manager from the moment that he started. There was a period of time where he was probably giving the proper attention to looking at things overall and giving it its just due attention. From the moment he started pulling the trigger, so to speak, as they say, he's done nothing but an incredible job at the players he's acquired, what he's got for the players he's traded, the 2022 draft, now all the moves that he's made this year with Kirby Doc, with the signing of Sean Farrell, and everything else in between. The guy has just been been a home run hit. Jeff Molson, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, and Martin St. Louis are just awesome. And honestly, I've said this before, and I'm sure there's some people out there like, yeah, that's a bit high and mighty and a bit off the scale right now to be able to say they're the best since Sam Pollock and Scotty Bowman were. But they're starting to have a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things piling up showing that very scenario. Montreal has got not only something really special going in a lot of the prospects from fantastic drafts of especially the last three to six years, dating all the way back to 2018 in the third round with starting with Jordan Harris. Not only do they have that to be thankful for, they honestly have the best management staff by far that they've had since Sam Pollock's administration. I would argue the best administration in the league right now. There are some really, really smart people there in Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, Martin St. Louis, the development department, the statistical department, you name it. They have created an incredible staff. And that does it for episode 38. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Have a fantastic week.